What's going on, y'all? My name is Brian Sanchez, and welcome to Living the Magic. Man, it feels good to be saying that again. Uh, it's been a long time since I've said that. Uh, Living the Magic, if you are unaware, used to be a video series that I did on YouTube, sharing my love, thoughts, and opinions on news and current events going on in the theme parks, uh, specifically the Orlando theme parks, Disney, Universal, things like that. And I haven't done those in a very, very long time. I started to shift away from that. It's been a while since I've done anything with Living the Magic and recently kind of felt the desire and drive to revitalize the, the format. But, you know, with so many great breaking news journalists, let's be honest, that's what they are, that cover the theme parks uh, and get us the scoop every single day, I figured it'd be better for me to do a weekly show sharing my love, thoughts, and opinions on the week's events, and then covering some topics that come up. Uh, we'll talk theme parks, like I said, Disney and Universal. We'll talk movies, box office, Disney Plus streaming stuff. And, you know, we will have a, a topic every week to kind of just deep dive into something that we love about the theme parks or some tips to help you guys get the most out of your vacations. And who knows, maybe... Occasionally, we'll even have a special guest on or two. But for the most part, I will be riding solo. Most of the time, news stories will be much lighter than what we have this week. And, you know, I, I didn't intend this to be the first thing that we talk about on this new format of the show. Uh, but, you know, it was a couple of weeks ago that I had this day picked to record the first one. And we'll talk about the current events with Disney. And, Sure enough, this week was a big one. Uh, real heavy news stories. We will not get too deep into the politics on this, but if you saw the title, if you follow anything at all, I'm sure you guys have heard at this point. This week, the Florida state government, led by the governor, Ron DeSantis, uh, formed a special session to hold discussions about dissolving special districts in the state of Florida. Uh, and while that may sound boring and lame city and state government politics, what does that have to do with Disney? Well, this was by all measure a reaction from the governor of Florida to Disney's outspoken opinions on the recent bill that restricts conversations about sexuality and uh, gender identity in the state of Florida within schools. Opponents of this bill have dubbed it the don't say gay bill. I guess I don't want to dig too deep into the opinions and, and, and politics on this, but I will be, I will share a little bit of my opinions about this and my takeaway from this being someone who follows the Disney parks and considers central Florida you know, my home, even though I'm currently living in Austin, Texas, I'm originally from the central Florida area, I lived there a very long time. This is a very interesting turning point that could dictate a lot of what happens at Disney World moving forward. Uh, not just Disney World, but a lot of places uh, in the state of Florida. But specifically, this seems to be targeted directly at Disney World based on comments made by the company. And that's very, very interesting. Uh, a lot of people will say that this is not 
about opinions. This is about oversight or this is about being able to run these districts better. Accountability has is, is been a word that's been thrown around by Florida Republicans that are proponents of this this measure. Even uh, Republican Representative Randy Fine, though, when asked about Disney's comments and if that was the precursor to this, uh, said to reporters in a press conference, quote, you kick the hornet's nest, things come up. So this is very difficult for me to believe it when you say it's not personal and this is not a retaliation thing for their opinions on recent things that you have passed through legislature. Moving away from the political side of this, the impact that it has. So what is the special district that Disney has? So if you don't know when the Walt Disney Company and Walt Disney himself made the agreement with the state of Florida in 1967 to build Walt Disney World in the Orlando area, the state of Florida granted them a special district that allowed them to basically not have to go through all the red tape zoning permits and approval process to build the infrastructure that is Walt Disney World. So that's not just theme parks and, and hotels and restaurants, but it's also things like stormwater, sewage, uh, fire and ambulance safety, policing, the power system there. I mean, like everything, all the infrastructure that you need to run a city was basically handed over to the Walt Disney Company and they have been responsible for providing those services within an area in Central Florida that is twice the size of Manhattan is the stat information that usually comes out with this one. And they have been responsible for policing that area, governing that area, and providing all of those services, like I said, power, water, and you know, road infrastructure. So when they redo the roadways around Disney Springs and, and all that, that's all handled by a group, a city, essentially, called the Reedy Creek Improvement District. And as it stood, that district was funded by Disney. And in exchange, they were not subject to having to go through the counties of Orange County or Osceola County, you know, to make those improvements. By dissolving this district, it means that Disney will have to now work with the counties of Orange County and Osceola County in order to make sure that those services are provided and make sure that they are able to, you know, do the improvements that they need to do. And it is unclear whether or not Disney will be continuing to foot the bill for all of this or if this will end up becoming something that the taxpayers of those counties will now have to be footing the bill for. So it is a turning point. Disney has been able to expand at the rate that they have and build what they have built due to the flexibility that the special district gives them. If that is in fact gone, which I believe yesterday the governor did in fact sign this bill. So it is in effect, from what I understand, there's about a year period where they will be negotiating and they have the ability to alter terms and figure out a plan moving forward. So this is definitely something to keep an eye on. But ultimately, the dynamic around Disney World being in that quote-unquote Disney bubble seems to be no more. Day-to-day, -day, 
experience for guests in the park, probably not gonna be that much different on the surface, at least not at first, but we could see some changes and definitely we could see some impact on the folks that live around the Walt Disney World area. Like I said, Orange County, Osceola County, and subsequent areas outside of those counties, property taxes could be going up. A lot of that infrastructure could see some impact. So we'll keep an eye on that, but that's essentially the new dynamic now around Disney World. My personal opinion, I think this is a bit ridiculous. I think this is a governor who wants to have a feather in his cap with his base in 2024 when he runs for president he can say that he stuck it to the using their words woke liberal corporate america whether or not it actually has impact long term or if it's in the best interest of everyone involved and i think that's a bit ridiculous so anyways like i said this is not a podcast that i want to dive into these kind of things often but unfortunately, when it hits this close to the parks and, and you know what we're going to talk about on this show, unfortunately, we will have to cover it. But hopefully, we won't have too many of these super heavy discussions and we can have lighter discussions like what we'll talk about next. This episode of Living the Magic is currently not sponsored by anyone. So we want to give a special shout out to the folks who support us over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the channel, you can find us at patreon.com slash your primo Brian. That's where you can support me and all the internet shenanigans that I get up to. Links in the show notes, and we thank you so much for your support. Shifting topics to something a lot lighter, Moon Knight's a lot of fun. Uh, if you've not been watching Moon Knight, man, on Disney Plus, it is by far my favorite of the Marvel TV shows so far. And I loved WandaVision. I was confused by it like most people were throughout the entirety of the run. And then when we got to the finale and we all thought that Mephisto was going to show up and he didn't. And what we got was like a personal deep exploration of grief in a character. I shed tears along with a lot of folks. I loved Falcon and the Winter Soldier, exploring what it means to be a black man carrying the mantle of Captain America was incredible. Incredible character work that they're doing in these shows, all wrapped in this Marvel fun superhero package that just hits on every single cylinder. I've loved all of the Marvel shows to this point. This one is by far my favorite. This last episode of Moon Knight, which if you haven't watched it yet, you know, I'm going to dive into a little bit of spoiler territory here, but not too much. I don't want to give too much away. Really felt like I was watching an old-timey action adventure movie. And they even made a reference to something similar in the episode, but it felt like I was watching something like Indiana Jones. These really big epic journeys of explorations of, of of culture and there's like a paranormal aspect to it and there's a little bit of kind of dove into some horror film territory there it was actually properly scary we have a friend and she is terrified of mummies 
And this last episode really did a toll on her. She she texted us and said that she had to turn it off and that she had nightmares. Uh, it was it was properly scary, and I fully understand it. I loved every second of it. I don't even like horror movies, but I loved the little bits of jump scare stuff that we got in there. You know, so it is on the surface, it is a fun action adventure type show in the realm of Indiana Jones or things like the Mummy franchise. I'm getting all of those vibes. But then at its core, we're getting this look at essentially mental illness and a man who is dealing with multiple personalities inside of one body fighting for control and to find a balance and what that means to the psyche of everyone involved. And not just him, but one of those personalities has a wife and a history that the other one doesn't even know anything about. And it is fascinating on a human psychological level to see how that's playing out. Juxtaposed against this giant over-the-top action adventure story with Egyptian gods and, you know, potential apocalypse coming and all this kind of stuff. It is so much fun. Oscar Isaac is one of my top three favorite actors working right now. I love Oscar Isaac and he is doing such a fantastic job in this show. Everyone involved has been fantastic. You know, no one's phoning in any performances. No one is hamming it up or anything like that. Everyone is hitting their characters and doing the character work absolutely perfectly. But I really, really appreciate the work, the physicality, and the emotion that Oscar Isaac is bringing to both the characters of Mark and Steven, which side note for for those who are Universal fans, every time they say Steven on this show, I know I'm annoying my wife uh, because I look over to her and I do the impression of E.T. from the pre-show at Universal, and I go, Steven, every single time. I, I cannot help myself. I don't know why. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just something that I've started doing, and I can't stop. There's only two more episodes. There's four episodes in. There's only two more to go, and the end of this last episode, again, not giving away spoilers or anything like that, but the end of this last episode kind of shifted the tone a bit of what we thought we were watching. And so I am thoroughly intrigued by what is going to happen next. So uh, Wednesday cannot get here fast enough. And if you guys have not been watching Moon Knight, where have you been? What have you been watching? Because this one is definitely my favorite. It's up there with The Mandalorian in my favorite things that Disney Plus has given us. And there's a lot of good stuff on Disney Plus. The Mandalorian, and I loved the Imagineering Story documentary series. Those those three are probably the top three things that Disney Plus has done, in my opinion. But who knows? Last two episodes could take us in a weird way and, and they could drop the ball. But I don't know the track record of these Marvel shows. In my opinion, they've been sticking the landings, for me at least. So we shall see what happens with Moon Knight. This episode of Living the Magic is currently not sponsored by anyone. So we want to give a special shout out to the folks who support us over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the channel, you can find us at patreon.com slash yourprimobrian. That's where you can support me and all the internet shenanigans that I get up to. 
Links in the show notes. And we thank you so much for your support. All right, shifting gears to my last topic of the day. Yesterday, I'm recording this on April 23rd. Yesterday, Friday, April 22nd, was Earth Day. And uh, for those that don't know, Earth Day, April 22nd, 1998, was the opening day of Animal Kingdom. And I think a lot of people will agree that of the four theme parks, I think Animal Kingdom is the one that is overlooked the most. Everyone knows Magic Kingdom. It's the castle, it's pirates and Haunted Mansion and Peter Pan and It's a Small World and Main Street USA and the Jungle Cruise. And, and it has all of those classic attractions and things that you see, whether you've been to Disney World or not, you see them in the commercials and you know what that is. The next most popular park is probably Epcot because of the iconography that is Spaceship Earth. I think everyone knows Spaceship Earth, the quote unquote, the Epcot ball. I know folks hate it when people call it that. I It kind of irks me, but I know a lot of people don't know what it is or know that there's an even uh, an attraction inside of it. Uh, I know a lot of people thought that the entire theme park apparently was inside of the quote unquote Epcot ball before going. So, But I think Epcot is probably the, the next most popular one in recent years, definitely Hollywood Studios has seen an uptick in popularity after many, many years of being what a lot of folks called a half-day park, adding things like Toy Story and, of course, Galaxy's Edge, attractions like Rise of the Resistance. I had a conversation with my wife the other day who's only been to Disney a handful of times uh, and only as an adult. We, you know, She didn't go until we were already dating in the last couple of years, and uh, she thinks that Hollywood Studios might be her favorite park. She loves Toy Story. She just loves that park. I have the memory of her crying at the end of Fantasmic when uh, Mickey does his little magic trick at the end of the show. And I looked over at her and she just started bawling because she was so happy. So Hollywood Studios definitely gets a lot of love. And I think Animal Kingdom gets overlooked because I think a lot of people think it's a zoo. It's Disney's zoo. And they have a zoo back home and they've seen animals. We've seen lions, we've seen gazelles, we've seen lizards, we've seen birds. It's not that different. But I got to tell you, Animal Kingdom is probably the best themed park of all four theme parks. And if you know the history of the park, you know that that's all due to Joe Rody. Joe Rody was an Imagineer for a very, very long time, and he was the key creative force behind Animal Kingdom, along with a lot of other attractions. But really, you feel his presence the most when you walk into Animal Kingdom. The level of detail everywhere you look in Animal Kingdom is unparalleled, I think, anywhere in Florida. I think it's only rivaled with some of the areas in Disneyland. After finally making our first trip to Disneyland this past Christmas, I think it was in, uh, it was the end of November, uh, but at like Christmas time and finally getting to see what everyone always said about like the level of detail that Disneyland has uh, in their theming, it feels very much like the level of detail and theming that you get at Animal Kingdom that is just so nuanced. I mean, yes, you have giant 
things like Everest. You have giant things like the Tree of Life, which, you know, is an impressive feat of engineering and artistic expression and all of that. It's 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 amazing. You can get lost in looking for all of the animal carvings on the trunk of, you know, the Tree of Life. And of course, with the 50th anniversary uh, celebrations going on right now, they do projections on it that make it come to life and it's animated and, it, and it's beautiful. But go walk around in Harambe, in the Africa section, and just look at the windows and look at the street. Just look down at the at the ground and you'll see footprints and you'll see cart tracks and tire tracks and little ruts here and there and little random bottle caps that are just like pressed into the concrete. Look at the buildings and you see the the rat's nest of cables attached to decorative power poles to make it feel like this is a lived-in town. And it's the same in Asia, and it's the same in Pandora as well. The level of detail, it's so intricate, it's so well thought out, and it feels like you are in another world. As far as attractions go, Everest would be the best mountain attraction at Disney World if the Yeti was still working. Unfortunately, if you follow the history of the attraction, there used to, like there is a Yeti in the attraction, a giant Yeti animatronic that used to lunge at the track, but it was so powerful that it actually began to crack the concrete foundation on which it stands and it is next to impossible to repair the foundation without tearing down half of the mountain and the roller coaster infrastructure underneath it. If you ever hear Joe Rody talk about it, you can tell that he really, really, really wants to fix that Yeti. But unfortunately, now that he's retired and no longer with uh, Disney, I don't think that's probably going to happen anytime soon. As it sits right now, Animal Kingdom, uh, Everest is down for refurbishment. And, you know, I was had my fingers crossed, but I don't think it's going to actually happen. But if that was the case, I think it would be the best mountain attraction anywhere uh, in the Disney parks. I think Thunder Mountain probably holds that, the one in Disneyland. Uh, Disney World's Thunder Mountain is pretty great too, but uh, Disneyland's Thunder Mountain is incredible. Other attractions. A lot of folks didn't understand why Pandora or how Pandora would fit into the theming and, and the ethos that is Animal Kingdom because it's all like the ethos of Animal Kingdom is conservation, nature, connection with animals and the planet. And so why would you put an alien planet in Pandora? But I think, you know, after watching the first movie and, and you know, like the Navi's connection with Pandora and listening to the earth, like to the planet and, and connecting with that, I think it really does fit in Animal Kingdom. And it kind of serves the purpose of the original idea that Animal Kingdom had, which was to have a an area based on animals and creatures in fantasy. So like dragons and unicorns and stuff like that. There was original concept art and ideas uh, and even made it into the original promotional materials for the park. There is a dragon on the original logo of Animal Kingdom for that reason. They never got around to building that area. And then eventually they built Pandora, but you know, I think it does fit well. And the attractions in there, Navi River Journey is 
a classic style dark ride boat ride situation, but it is definitely elevated and the animatronic of the Navi shaman of songs at the end is impressive and to the to the point where it's kind of creepy <laughs> to be completely honest with you. And of course, Flight of Passage, I didn't think that I would connect with a simulator ride like that, but oh man, that thing is amazing. I really, really had an emotional experience on that attraction when we rode it last on our last trip. All of that would make it a pretty good theme park. But the connection and the experience that you get with the animals in Animal Kingdom is really what puts it over the top. Because you can go to the zoo, you know, most big cities have a zoo and they do interactions, they do things where they'll bring birds out or they'll bring smaller animals that they can out and so you can, you know, get to see them closer and stuff. But the safari attraction is so well done. It's one thing to take a tour around a zoo and get to see that there's, you know, there's some lions over there, there's a rhino over there, there's a crocodile over there, but to really make it feel like these animals could move around freely, but the terrain is engineered in a way that they cannot. They actually are in uh, separate enclosures, but they're not actual cages or fences. They're rock formations, they're ditches, there are grates, there are things to keep the animals in their respected areas. It is great theming and storytelling, you know, that I really don't think a lot of people realize is going on because it makes it look like they're just out and about. And I think that is the the key to Animal Kingdom being so great. You're having these elevated experiences and because everything is so well themed and so well integrated together that it almost kind of goes unnoticed. We got puppy in the background. Uh, he agrees. <laughs> so wrapping things up, look, Animal Kingdom is, I think, the most slept on park at Disney World. So happy 20th birthday to Animal Kingdom. I cannot wait to get back. We have a trip planned for later on this year, and hopefully we'll get to spend a little bit of extra time in Animal Kingdom wishing them a very happy 20th birthday. So, all right, that's going to do it for me today, guys. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. Again, sorry about the heavy news story at the top of the hour. Uh, I really, really don't anticipate that being the case every week. So hopefully next week we'll have some lighter topics. Um, but again, thank you so much for listening. If you have comments, questions, you know, you can leave them down in the comments here. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you can go to... Uh, the website, uh, it is signalpointmedia.com. There's a comment section there. You can leave comments there. And then, of course, I am on social medias. Twitter is honestly the easiest way to get a hold of me. I am on Twitter at your primo Brian. That's P-R-I-M-O. That is Spanish for cousin. Your primo Brian. If you want to get at me, uh, share your thoughts and opinions, memories about Animal Kingdom, thoughts about the state of Florida, the thoughts about Moon Knight. What was y'all's favorite Disney Plus series that's been out? All right, I got to take this puppy out, y'all. But again, thank y'all so much for listening to the podcast. We'll see y'all around. And until next time, Kungaloosh! Kungaloosh!